Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Friday, January thirteenth. Wahaha, Friday the thirteenth, twenty twenty three. And it is indeed a heck of a morning, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on the eve of a UFC event, UFC Vegas 67, going down tomorrow at the Apex. The main event was not the main event we thought we were going to have, but we got one. And they're going to weigh in very soon. It is going to be a light heavyweight matchup between a couple of middleweights. Sean Strickland stepping in on short notice to replace Kelvin Gastelum. And he will face Nasruddin Imavov. That card going down tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. So get excited, everybody. I know a lot of you have been just been waiting. It's been a lot of time. In between UFC events, and now we have one back. The card is... It's okay. I, I think the main card is is pretty good. Prelims... There's some things that I'm interested in, but... A lot of these fights, at least on paper and via the betting odds, kind of look like... I'm not going to say squash matches, but... A lot of one-way traffic potential. But there are some, obviously, very interesting storylines in the prelims. Jimmy Flick coming back from his retirement to fight Charles Johnson. We got Javid Basharat taking on Mateus Mendonca. A couple of undefeated Bantamweight prospects. That should be a lot of fun. A couple of flyweight fights. So I know Jed Mishu and Connor Burks are all excited about the potential of flyweight unders. But the main card is is pretty solid. Umar Namagamadov versus Hayoni Barcelos. I have to look at the betting lines on that one right now because I was stunned when I looked at it the other day. But let's take a current gander at that one right now. It is, according to our friends at DraftKings, Umar Namagamadov minus 975. The comeback on Hayoni Barcelos is plus 675. It's just kind of surprisingly high to me. I think Umar is probably going to win that fight, but minus four figures. I didn't see that coming, if we're being honest. Uh, Big one at 135 for the ladies. We haven't had a women's bantamweight fight in a long time. Uh, Raquel Pennington looking to continue her surge against another surging contender, Ketlin Vieira, who 
could find her way into a title fight if victorious. A fresh matchup for Amanda Nunes. Of course, Raquel Pennington has fought Amanda Nunes in the past, but Raquel has been pretty impressive as of late. Fun one between Puna Soriano and Roman Kapilov. That should be a lot of fun. Those two guys are just going to chuck them until somebody falls more than likely. I don't think we're going to see a ton of grappling and takedown attempts in that fight. And then the co-main event's a banger. Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson. Very interested to see what happens in that fight. And there's a, a fun little story with Puna Soriano and Dan Ige. Uh, it's been almost a, a lifelong dream for those two guys to fight on the same UFC card. They have known each other since they were kids, went to high school together. They went to college together. They've been together through the good times and the bad. Danny Gay said, I want to move to Las Vegas and train at Extreme Couture. And Puna was like, all right, I'll come too. And they both have gone through their careers. And here we go. Tomorrow, they get to fight on the same card. I spoke with Eric Nixick. It's a very cool story. Uh, I wrote that up for the site. So that's going to be dropping before that fight happens. So uh, we can talk about that. But it is Friday. So on this show, it's a free-for-all Friday. So we can talk about MMA. We can talk about tomorrow's card. We could talk about some of the news and notes. If you guys have other questions about some news or some rumor and innuendo, we could talk about that. We could talk about stuff outside of MMA if you want as well. That's what this Friday show is all about. And at this point, my monologue is over. Let's go to you guys and gals to see what is on your mind. We will start with Zach. Hello, Zach. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, glad to have UFC back this weekend, but... I'm going to go to the PFL for a minute. I don't remember if we talked about this, but I saw the other day and I remember that uh, PFL is moving to DAZN now, not ESPN+. Plus. I actually was remember debating with some of my friends about this, finding it interesting because I feel like PFL had a good thing with ESPN+, Plus in the sense that like, if you were a UFC fan, you went there and you realized, oh, there's another promotion on that platform, you know, PFL, you can check it out. It was pretty accessible. Now, I don't know how many people have DAZN or if at all too many people but do you think it was the right move for them to get away from the ufc and kind of stick with their own mma stuff or do you think they almost benefited more from being on that same platform as the ufc where it's easy to find more mma um i found that interesting and then since it is free for all friday i thought i'd ask because you mentioned it a little earlier on another episode this week about you know the idea that this could be a 30 for 30 so it made my mind brew a little bit about um since we had the really good chuck tito 30 for 30 few years ago if you had three fighters let's say current or past that you think would make good 30 for 30 specials on which one this would they be mike have a great weekend thanks man uh lee murray for sure john jones is going to be another one uh and i would love to i mean there's a lot honestly there's a lot but those two stick out and Maybe a 30 for 30 on the Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz rivalry that the build to those two fights in 2016, or just maybe just the UFC in 2016 as a whole. I think that'd be just a, a really fascinating story. That's still the biggest year in the history of MMA in terms of news with everything that happened at, at UFC 200. UFC 199, everything that happened there, um, the sale of the company, Connor and Nate, Connor winning the second belt. I mean, just so much happened that year. 
I'd love to, to kind of have a retrospective of some of the behind the scenes stuff with that. The PFL thing with DAZN, it's not for the United States. They're going to be on ESPN Plus in the U.S., so you don't have to worry about that if if, if you live in the states. Uh, they've partnered with DAZN for, I think it's like fifty something international countries. So it's still going to be on ESPN Plus. You don't have to worry about that. Um, but it's not like all of their cards are going to be on DAZN for everybody. It's just international market. It's just an international deal for the PFL, as far as I'm aware, unless something changed along the way and I totally missed it. Uh, I just went and looked it up as you were talking to me. And uh, the release on DAZN was, it's going to be like their international partner for the UK because they're going to Europe and everything. Um, they're going to have the, the, the UK series and the Europe series. And there's a partnership there uh, between PFL and DAZN. But in the States, nothing changes because I, I just... I, I, there's just no way that ESPN is getting into into it with PFL for like a one year deal. Um, just don't see it. So, yeah, it looks like they're sticking around, and at least in the states. But internationally, DAZN will be the home for a lot of different events. So that's where we're at. Uh, let's see what our good buddy Double A has to say on this free for all Friday. What's up, buddy? Oh yeah, I'm good. Um, I've just got one. Um, I just I I read today. Um, that um that um Veronica Mase- oh, pardon me, Veronica Hardy now is um being matched up with uh Juliana Miller for London. Um, is the, two questions. Is that confirmed? Um, and second, this is no disrespect to Ver- Veronica. I'm sort of want your thoughts on what would Julia. Anna Miller have to gain coming off of tough and having her first fight in the UFC be someone who only has one win in the promotion. Like you, I just, in my opinion, you know, you come off tough and you want to make a good impression. Does that, re- is that really like what she would gain here? Like, I don't know. Okay. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Everyone else have a heck of a morning. Take care of yourselves and peace. Uh, thank you. Yes, I saw this. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were working on confirming this last night. I guess Juliana announced it herself on a podcast last night that the fight was happening. So, uh, I would assume if a fighter is coming out and publicly saying that the fight's going to happen, it's probably going to happen. I like, I'm fine with this one. I'm fine with this one. And the biggest reason why is she doesn't have a ton of experience as a professional fighter. I mean, she's only been like her first amateur fight was in 2017, fought a handful of times, made a pro debut in 2019, did a lot of grappling, fought twice in 2020, won both of those fights, lost to Claire Guthrie and Invicta in 2021 did some more grappling and then went on the ultimate fighter in 2022 and beat Claire right back, beat Caitlin Neal and then fought in the finals against Brogan Walker and finished her. So she's only three and one. This is only going to be her fifth pro fight. And I like the matchup because what was that fight? That was in August. So this will be March. That's four, seven month break. And you want to build some momentum. Like she built a ton of momentum on the season, 
going into that fight with Brogan Walker, they built like a nice little rivalry on the show. Um, as far as I know, that's what AK told me because he's the, he's the tough fan. I cannot watch that show anymore. It's horrendous to me uh, just because it's the same damn show. It was 25 years ago or 20 years ago, whenever it started all these seasons ago, it's the exact same freaking show, but she built a ton of momentum. She's got a super personality and there's no need to just chuck her in there with like a top 15 fighter right now. Let's just get her feet wet. Let her do her thing. Let's build some momentum. She's still very young. She's 26, only four pro fights. Let's uh, let's build some sea legs, you know? Let's, let's see what she's got. Fighting somebody with some experience. She'll probably, it, just kind of looking at the matchup on paper, just in general, she'll probably, I don't know if style is the right word, but she, it's a very suitable matchup for her. It's, it's, it's a matchup to try to get her over and to try to build this momentum. There's no need to rush her uh, at three and one. So I'm fine with the matchup. I'm good with it. And, you know, like I said, she announced it herself. So I think it's going to happen. I'm confident that it will happen. Throw her on that London car with that crowd. They'll probably love her. Let's see how she does. Walk before we run. That's what I like to say with some of these uh, fighters who don't have a ton of professional experience. Abzwalia, hello. Abzwalia, are you there? Hey, there what's up, Gwen? What's up? Sorry, I just had some mic issues. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I just want to ask, um, is there any news on... What's going to happen with uh, Aljamain Sterling regarding his title shot? Because we already know that he's probably injured. Is there any like confirmation as to when he possibly could fight later on, uh, down the line during the year? Um, so, I mean, this is just according to to him. Seems like he just needs like an extra month. That's, I mean, that's that that's what I had seen on on Twitter. Just. If you can wait a month, let's go. But it seems like Cejudo and Sean O'Malley are kind of angling for their own fight. And we talked about this on BTL yesterday. We're trying to figure out what they're going to do for March 4th. Because in, in some respects, March 18th, Leon Edwards told, apparently Leon Edwards told Michael Bisbing on his podcast that he was told by the UFC that Kamar Usman is going to fight March 18th. And Usman's already getting ready for it. So I think some of those rumors and, and some of that stuff that was said was like I've told you a million times as, as far as I knew and everybody else at the site knew that is privy to this information uh that was the plan there was no talks really about Maz at all stepping in or anything like that they just haven't officially announced that fight yet so I assume that one's going to happen on March 18th but March 4th it's a barren wasteland right now I mean there's some there's fights on the card, but we don't have a title fight. We don't have a main event. We don't have anything right now. And the two fights that it seemed like the, the, the promotion was targeting was Branson Gano versus John Jones, which if you read our article on MMA fighting, if you watch my interview with Eric Nixick, I it doesn't seem like we're ruling this out at this point, but it seems like some of the confidence that, that fight happens March 4th is a little bit lower than it was before. 
Eric Nixick said he's confident the fight will happen first half of 2023, but he's 50, 50. It happens March 4th. But again, that's not ruling it out. As Eric told me, if they UFC calls him and says, or, you know, Francis and his team calls him and says, we're fighting March 4th, then he will have Francis ready for March 4th. So, but to me, I just, there's just a lot to this right now. The fact that Francis hasn't officially resigned yet, the fight, the fact that this fight hasn't been officially booked yet concerns me. And we're less than two months away. So am I confident the fight happens? Yes. Do I think it'll happen March 4th? I'm probably with Eric right now, 50-50. I might even be a little less confident, but I'm not say I still think the fight will happen. And then what do we do with the rest of the card? Because the other one was Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. And now Sterling's not going to be able to fight in March. Do you do Cejudo versus Sean O'Malley on that card for just chuck an interim title on there? Like, it doesn't make sense to do an interim title, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a five-round fight. Fighters get a little extra pay because it's a title fight, and Lord knows we need something on this card right now. Do they go that route, or do they just say, huh, we'll just wait and do Cejudo Sterling down the line? My, for me, I would rather see Cejudo fight Sean O'Malley. I don't need to go into this any more than I already have. I just want to see Henry fight somebody else. And if it's an interim title fight with Sean O'Malley, I'm okay with that. That shows me that he cares. That shows me that he's serious in some way about this. And I just want to see the man fight. I just want to see what he can do. And I've always advocated that Henry should fight somebody else, not Aljo anyways. And then he could fight Aljo if he beat Sean O'Malley. And I think it's a pretty favorable matchup for him. So... Do they just go ahead and do that, or do they wait? March 4th needs help right now. And then maybe, maybe, I don't know if that's the main event. Maybe it could be. And then maybe you try to convince Amanda Nunes or Valentina Shevchenko to fight on that card in the co-main event slot. I don't know. I wonder if they're getting Hamza Shemaev on the phone right now saying, what can we do? What can we do? Maybe, I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea what they're going to do at this point. But it seems like... O'Malley and Cejudo are trying to lobby for a fight March 4th themselves. So I don't know what's going to happen. We got decisions to make, hopefully by the pay-per-view next Saturday, hopefully while we're doing our little plug here, UFC 283 live watch party next Saturday, we can react to this news and some sort of announcements about March 4th. Cause right now we got, we got nothing. And that's not good. So the answer to your question about Aljo, no idea. My head tells me they'll probably go with Cejudo O'Malley. I don't see why not. I mean, why at this point, what else are you going to do? I'd love to, like, if John Jones is ready to fight March 4th, I agree with what Ariel said on Wednesday. Try to trot him out there. It doesn't have to be a title fight. Just chuck him in there with anybody. Throw him in there with Tai Tuivasa. Throw him in there with whoever. Just get him in there. That's a big deal. And then if we need to do a title fight, sure, we could do Cejudo and O'Malley interim title. Cool. I'm all right with that. And then let Sterling heal up in May, June, July. 
unify the belts. I'm cool with that. But we got to do something because the clock is ticking on that March 4th card. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to the AM. AM, are you there? You're muted right now. So if you're saying anything, I cannot hear you. All right, try again. Hop right in. It is a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk about whatever is on your mind on this lovely Friday. Uh, let's go to... Viking MMA. Hi, Viking. So, Jared Kananir recently said that Hamza needs to fight uh, top five or top uh, top three middleweights before getting his middleweight title shot, which means Hamza has to fight Kananir or Rob Whitaker or Adesanya. Uh, for me, it's very in- interesting match uh, between Kananir versus Hamza because uh, you know, Viteka tried to take Kananir down but couldn't do it. Uh, Derek Brunson took him down but couldn't hold and control him on the ground. And because of that, I just want to see in that fight because of the wrestling of Hamza Chima, which is insane. So what are uh, so what are your thoughts on that? And do you think UFC will fast track Hamza against Pareda if he wins against EG? Easy, which he will. And both of them had a back and forth on Twitter, Alex Pereira and Hamza. 
So what are the chances of Hamzat getting middleweight title shot? Thank you. Right now, right now, probably better than I thought initially, only because of what we just talked about. March 4th's got nothing. We got nothing. And who knows? Maybe maybe John's like, nope, I'm only fighting in Ghana. Or maybe Cejudo O'Malley isn't enough. And the UFC just calls Shamayev and Pereira and offers them a whole bag of money to just fight March 4th for the title. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll do Robert Whitaker while Izzy gets ready. I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like the fact that March 4th has nothing right now in terms of a main event and title fights and things that would put fans in position to A, buy tickets, and B, spend $80 on a pay-per-view, which, by the way, would be the first of two in the month of March, you got to do something. So to me, almost every option is kind of on the table here. Because of that date. Now, if we find out in the next day or two that they have a main event booked and then this be, uh, is all for not right now. But I think everything is kind of on the table at this point, considering what they wanted and kind of where we're at right now. So if you asked me like a month ago, I would say there's no chance Hamza would get a title shot right now at 185. But considering that they're in full scramble mode, more than likely, I'm not ruling anything out. And I have no insight to this at all, but I'm just saying, knowing the UFC and how they can put things together quickly, things that are kind of out of the box, I think everything's kind of in play. But if you want to do Hamza versus Cannoneer, I'm cool with that. I think you try to get Hamza on that March 4th card at this point, and if Cannoneer's down, then do it. He ain't going to fight Izzy. Because I think in the UFC's eyes, if they can get things to work out, they'll go back to that well. Because I just don't think – look, I have, a, I have a lot of respect for Alex Pereira. That win over Izzy was incredible. That comeback, all of that was, was excellent. My dog is barking. Okay. You're barking at nothing like you always do, but it's all good. My dog has suddenly found his voice took him like three years, but now he's got his voice and just barks at everything. It drives me crazy. So like every single show I've done this year, he has barked at some point for no freaking reason. Thank you, Shiloh, for your appearance on the program. Um, yeah. So everything's on. Everything's in play, I think. Everything's in play. Hamzat Cannonier is fine. Hamzat Whitaker is super interesting. And like I said, I have a lot of respect for Alex Pereira. I'm, I would pick Hamzad in the flip of a hat to beat Alex Pereira. I mean, Pereira could crack, man. He could knock anybody out. But as, as, as much improved as Pereira's defense has been from a grappling standpoint, this is Hamzad Shemaev, man. <laughs> this is Hamzad Shemaev. And I'm picking Hamzat against pretty much everybody that he could potentially fight right now. There are a couple of interesting ones. I think Colby would be interesting. And actually, and I think Whitaker would be a really interesting fight. So we'll see what happens. And maybe they'll just chuck Shabayev right in there with, with Pereira. Who knows? Like I said, they got to fill some spots in some pretty important ones. 
Let's go to Toke. Hey, Toke. A short comment on the whole uh, Dana White press conference thing, and then I have another thing to ask. So firstly, sure. um, as you know, I am educated as a, as a journalist, but I have worked in communications. Uh, and the, the way that UFC did this with a surprise press conference with Dana White is so textbook that it's disgusting. I mean, the, giving the whole, uh, like uh, controlling the narrative and m giving the journalists no time to prepare at all is textbook how you kind of get the narrative out that you want out. So first, I think that was a calcul very calculated uh, move from their side, just to say, uh, for him to go out with his head down and act like it, it's going to have real consequences when it's not. Um, but, you know, he, he seems remorseful and then he tries to create a positive narrative. So, and the other question I have is, did you hear uh, the, it, it's difficult, how do I say this? Did you see second take? Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, the first take, second take on the uh, Dana White um, press conference uh, and uh, and all of that entails because they did somehow better themselves a little bit, mostly because uh, the host that sits beside Stephen A. Smith actually went in and said that uh, he does not get to set the punishment and it can't be this just the same can't necessarily be the same as they would give the fighters because he's in a position of power, which the fighters are not. So I thought that was, that was interesting and uh, getting to know how close Stephen A and uh, Dana are in business relations was also kind of interesting, which is probably why Stephen A has been so quiet as he has. Okay. That was all from me. Uh, so I'll hang up now. See ya. Uh, I've not seen the video. Uh, I, I've seen like I've seen it out there. Uh, I have not watched it yet. Uh, I saw a couple of people comment on it. The problem is, it, and this is not the same, so I don't want to get this twisted. But we remember the first the first attempt. It's like how many times have I come on here and talked about how many times like Bilal Muhammad has fumbled the fumbled the ball at like the three yard line. Bilal Muhammad had multiple chances after big wins to call out Hamza Chemaev, and he didn't do it. He made call-outs that made no sense, and then by the time he did the media run, he would call out Hamza, and nobody cared because he didn't call him out when the lights were at their brightest and people were just glued to the TV wondering what he was going to say. And when this was brought up, originally with Steven and Molly, it was a disaster. It was horrible. To me, if you're not going to speak truthfully on it, then don't even talk about it. Don't even talk about it. And I can't, I mean, it's, it, was, it's, it was just horrible. And I don't think, like, I haven't seen the video. I don't know what Steven and Molly said. I can't, ima like, I can't imagine they said anything that's going to make me forget their first attempt. Molly saying, we don't judge people at their lowest moments. Bullshit. That's your whole fucking show is you judge people at their lowest moments. 
but because somebody you know, and it's it was just horrible. And the graphic of Dana White, it, the graphic was Dana White apologizes. Like, get off me. Get off me with that. And to your first point about the scrum, I completely agree with you. And I said this, it was a brilliant move on his part. It was brilliant. And I give the people in the room credit. Like John Morgan did a great job. He asked the right questions. Um, he didn't get over, did, but he also opened things up for follow-ups. And there were follow-ups that were not asked that I would have asked. And again, I'm not trying to dump on anybody there because they didn't, they didn't expect him to come. They expected Kuna Soriano to come strolling in there with a big smile on his face. And all of a sudden, Dana walks in. And they're like, oh, shit. But when Dana said the thing about me being punished and me having repercussions and me being suspended and walking away, that doesn't hurt me. It hurts the company. I would have 1 million percent asked how. How? Because I don't buy that. I don't think it's true. I think the machine moves on its own whether he's there or not. And I'm not going to go into to more of this, but you can make a strong case. And I and believe me when I tell you, I have talked to dozens of fighters off the record since this thing happened. It would be a much more positive working environment for the fighters if Dana was not there. Because they all tell me this. They've all said this unanimously in these conversations. And to address one more thing that I'll say, and we talked about this on BTL yesterday. For those people out here who are listening right now, they're just rolling their eyes and they're saying, oh, move on. Don't blame me. Send that venom elsewhere. Send that venom to the UFC and send it to Endeavor. Because like we talked about on BTL yesterday, had this been handled like any other sport, and handled like in any other situation where a high profile figure like Dana White gets caught. And this is not, this is not Dana White was arrested for allegedly doing this. We saw it. We saw it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that she hit him first. He's 125 pounds heavier than her. He's probably on some stuff. He's talked about being on TRT and all this stuff. I think that video interview with the doctor, like, you, no, no, I'll never buy that. You'll never, ever convince me that he is in the right in any way. I give him credit for saying, stop defending me. But if the UFC had just come out and made a statement, and Endeavor had come out and made a statement saying, quote, we don't condone this. We have talked to Dana White about this. We are working on some sort of reprimand or repercussion for him. We will let you know. Or if they came out and gave the punishment and just said, hey, Dana's going to step aside for six months. He's going to donate. He's going to pay a hefty fine. It's going to go all towards a DV charity. He's going to do a PSA, and he's going to do counseling. If that just happened, and I'm, it, not even that, if they just came out and said, we don't condone this from anybody within our organization, punishment TBD, we're not like we're probably still talking about it again when the punishment is revealed, but we're not harping on this. We're not judging any like we're not talking about this as much as we are. 
So don't blame us for talking about it. Don't blame us for this still being a story. Blame them. Blame them. If they just handled this the way they should have from Jump Street, this is we're not talking about it as much because it shows that they give a fuck and that they care. And they're not setting scary and negative precedents. We're not talking about it that much. If a question came up here and there on this show, yeah, we would discuss it. But you think I'd be monologuing about Dana? If they just handled this the right way? Like, it, it's, it's okay. Like, I give Dana some credit. Because he's, he's handled this better than anybody. There are some misses for sure. The, the punishment thing that it punishes everybody else and not me. I don't buy that. That was a big miss. And, but for the most part, the don't defend me thing was great. Needed to be said. And I, I respect the hell out of him. And I appreciate the fact that he said that on his own before he was even asked about it. The slap fight league should not be a thing. It shouldn't have been a thing to begin with, but now it certainly shouldn't be a thing. But it's, I don't even blame Dana for how this is being handled. I blame the UFC and Endeavor. And I'll say this one last time. If they just did this right, this is not a story. We're not even, like, it's a story, but we're not talking about it as much. The only, we would probably stop talking about it altogether until the punishment was revealed, then we would talk about it again, and then it would go away until Dana came back. And then when Dana comes back for his first event after his suspension, it would come up again. This is Dana's first thing back. He would be asked about it at the press conference. What did you learn? How has your life changed? How has counseling been? And then that's it. But instead, we're going to keep talking about this because this has been handled like shit by them. And this is, this is not Dana. Like, we're not talking about Dana. He's addressed it. I'm talking about the company. And unfortunately, this is going to continue to be a talking point. And it's going to come full circle once this happens somewhere else within the organization. Whether it's a fighter or an employee, it's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a big deal, and then it's going to happen. It's just going to be wild. And Jed made an interesting point, and I respect him for making this point. And we're all hopeful that it's not that this never happens. But what if this happens again? What if something happens again, and it's caught on video, and Dane is involved? You're you are screwed. Screwed. So all of the venom doesn't go to Dana. It goes to the UFC and it goes to Endeavor. Dana has gotten out in front of this and he's handled it. Do, are there things he says that I don't agree with? Yep. But can you give him at least some credit for getting out there and trying to address it? Yeah, I give him credit for that. But I don't care. I don't want, I didn't need to hear from Dana. We heard from Dana with the TMZ interview. We don't need to hear from him. We need to hear from everybody else. And that's all we're asking. This story goes away once they do that. I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. 
It's clear what they're trying to do. They want it to go away. But if it would go away if they just did the right thing. This is it's not rocket science. Just do what you're supposed to do from a PR perspective. We as a company don't condone what Dana did. Punishment TBD. If you just put that out there, we're not talking about this anymore. We will write an article that you actually responded, and then we're going to move away from it until the penalty is released. And it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. It could be a month. Dana's out for a month and all the other things I laid out. And that's the minimum that should happen. But that's not, we're not asking for a lot here. Accountability, baby. That's it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's go to the Gambler's Inferno. How you doing? Like three rapid fires real quick. I was wondering, what is the likelihood that UFC returns to Paris this year? And then, uh, like, how high were the UFC on Jeff Molina before his suspension? And if you could uh, go into detail of the correlation of Jimmy Flick's divorce and him coming back to compete. And then last but not least, uh, what what do you think Glover will be retired by the end of the year? And if he does win on the pay-per-view, is this the first time two champs have been in the same gym before? And I don't really count Izzy and Alex because Alex is more of a CKB, like affiliate, and he's with Joe Lopez and stuff. So, yeah, that's all I got, those three quick questions. Thanks, man. Yeah, there's been champions of the same gym quite a bit. Um, yeah, CKB's had him. Um, the gym in Denver with, oh man, like Rose Camaro and Rose and Camaro champions together. Um, Trevor Whitman with Trevor Whitman, um, aka had a whole bunch of champions at the same time. So it has happened before. Um, it's happened numerous times throughout the years. Um, trying to remember the other questions. Glo- will Glover retire by the end of the year? It's possible, but we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I mean, you would think that 
we'll have more of an idea of where this goes after next Saturday. Cause I do think he's going to beat Jamal Hill. Is there a chance Jamal knocks him out? Sure. But I, I think Glover could knock Jamal out. Uh, and I honestly think that if Glover gets this thing to the ground, it's going to be a really bad night for Jamal Hill. A really, it's going to be a tough one for him. Um, being at home is a big deal. Um, I think everything kind of favors Glover. And then they'll probably try to wait for Yuri to come back. If he can come back by the end of the year, they'll try to run that one back. And then we'll see. If he beats Yuri, then they'll probably do a third one. And he'd probably stick around for that. But I, I, my, my hunch is that he's kind of in that Ric Flair WWE cycle where Vince McMahon basically told him, like, you're going to f- wrestle until you lose. And then once you lose, you're out. And I kind of feel like maybe that's how Glover is handling this at this point. He's just going to fight until he loses. If he loses to Jamal Hill, he's not getting another title fight. And at least for a while. Unless some things fall his way. But that's two straight losses and two straight title fights. You got other guys there. It's going to be tough to, to get him back in there. So I think a lot of that depends on on Saturday. Next Saturday. Uh, the Jeff Molina thing. I mean, look, there's, there's a lot to this. Um, we're still, I mean, we've been digging into this for months now. Um, and this story is not going to get any better. It's going to get a lot worse. So stay tuned for that. I can, I'm pretty confident in that at this point. And they were pretty high on Jeff Molina. I mean, he was a ranked guy. They were high on him coming out the contender series. Bright kid. Now he fought on the contender series without his team. His team all got COVID and they couldn't come. And he just showed up and won. And that was a crazy-ass fight, too. And he's looked good in the UFC. So I would say they were decently high on him. But I don't know. He's about to go. He's about to hit that Nevada Athletic Commission meeting. I think it's next week. And... He's already suspended by them, and we'll see if more comes out from that um, in, in regards to the James Krause stuff. And then if you want news on Jimmy Flick, you have to go back in kind of the archives of the MMA Fighting YouTube channel because uh, we broke the news that Jimmy was coming out of retirement. Uh, we broke the news that he was getting back into the USADA pool. And then I interviewed him like immediately after. So if you want to go back and and check that interview out, he kind of lays out the decision and how it all came to be and the divorce and all that stuff. So um, that's probably your best bet at this point. It was a little while ago, but if you just go on our page and search for Jimmy flick retirement or comes decision to end retirement or whatever, uh, you'll get a full response from him. Uh, let's keep going. Bull, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Why is Dustin Poirier doing everything in his power to avoid Benil Dariush? All right, so this has been this has been a pretty popular topic. And... I want to choose how I put my words together here. I don't fully blame Dustin Poirier. 
And to be clear, if you go back and listen to that scrum where he said the things that he said, most of it, at least to me, was about the timing. Because Dustin was very, was very open and honest about the fight with Michael Chandler being kind of a hindrance on not only his schedule, but his family's. Because his daughter is in school, and for him to go and do a full camp preparing for a fight, they basically have to pull his daughter out of school so that she can come along for the trips, and it kind of messes with the routine. And as a dad myself, I understand completely how much getting out of a routine can affect a child. Because my kid is a super positive happy-go-lucky kid. But when things change outside of his realm, he falls apart a little bit. If he has a substitute teacher at school, he kind of falls apart a little bit. And I totally get where he's coming from. And in that scrum after the fact, he was asked about that fight in particular, about doing it maybe in Perth, because Makachev and Volkanovsky was looking... I think they announced it right before 281 that that fight was going to happen. And he basically said, nah, doesn't get me excited. But he also said that, look, I can't pull my daughter out of school again this year. I'm probably not fighting again until July. So to me, if the UFC, and, and I don't think Benil's going to wait till July to fight. Why would he? The fight makes sense, 100%. Definitely makes sense. And, but just inst- it just doesn't seem like Poirier is going to fight before the summer. He said it. He's already said it. Can't pull my daughter out of school again. It's too much. I'll probably come back in July. Now, Benny wants to wait till July. I think he'd do it. But Poirier's got other options ahead of him as well. And you can make a strong case that even though Dariush is on this run, we're looking at it from a UFC perspective. There, you can make a, a, a clear argument that if it comes to, and the UFC is looking, let's just say Makachev beats Volkanovsky and they're looking for the next challenger. From a meritocratic standpoint, it's Benil Dariush. But from a pay-per-view by drawing standpoint, which fight is going to do better on pay-per-view? Islam Makachev versus Benil Dariush or Islam Makachev versus Dustin Poirier? And the answer, by a long shot, is Makachev versus Dustin Poirier. It's not even close. And it's not right, but they are a business. And Poirier could take, Poirier's got a shot to get a title shot right now. Why would he fight Darius? Poirier could just fight Conor McGregor, who's coming back potentially sometime this year, and make a floppity jillion dollars. And probably beat the hell out of Conor McGregor. Got to take care of your family, man. It's a better option for him. So he's got options. Looks like the UFC wants Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazeev in March at some point. He could get the winner of that fight. Like, who? Poor he could fight Gaethje again. I'm sure that fight would get him up. If Fazeev somehow goes out there and just knocks Justin Gaethje out, Poirier would be excited for that fight. 
So he's got options. I'm, he's not like he's not doing everything to avoid Benil, but Dustin's kind of gotten to the big kids table at this point. He's all, he's at the adult table. It's about putting money in the bank, and yeah, he'd like to get to a title fight, but the way the UFC does business and the way Poirier is is loved by most people, he might already be the guy. Who knows? It would not shock me in any way if they just went right to Poirier fighting for the belt. Even over Dariush. And that would make a lot of people upset. I'd be upset about that. Because poor Benny deserves it. But Benny didn't do himself did not do himself any favors. Remember how we just talked a little earlier about Bilal Muhammad and his post-fight interviews? Not calling out Hamzat when he had the chance and then didn't get the fight? Benny kind of shot himself in the foot. After UFC 280, gets this big win over Matush Gamrod. Could have called out Islam in a respectful way. Again, he's not a big trash talker. He's not going to say, hey, Islam, you stole everything I worked for, MFR. But he could have been like, hey, Islam, you said in recent interviews that I'm the guy. If I win this fight and you win the belt, I'm the guy. Well, Habib is a man of his word. Are you a man of yours? If he just said that, he's in a much better spot. But what did he say? I'll fight 10 more guys before I fight for the belt. That was bad. That was really, really bad. And he could do all the other interviews he wants now, but people are going to remember that he said, I will fight 10 more guys. And in the UFC's mind, they're like, okay, then you're going to have to fight 10 more guys. He's in a tough spot right now. He's going to have to, he's probably going to have to fight a murderer next. An up-and-comer. And it's not fair. But that's probably where he's at right now. And it sucks. But it's a business. Let's go to Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Yes. Um, as for Stephen A. Smith's thoughts on Dana White, listen, this is the same guy that like 10, 12 years ago when... Uh, Ray Rice was caught on camera punching his wife. He actually had the audacity to blame women about it. Like, oh, sometimes women might deserve it. So let's get that one out the way. As for the Benil Dariush, Dustin Boye thing, I don't know what it is with MMA fans and certain people that just refuse to see what to do. Listen, Dustin Boye has been in the UFC, what, a dozen years? He fought every The guy finally is in the steam position in the UFC, and he wants to call his shot finally, and now he's ducking people? Get the fuck out of here. Pardon my language. Listen, I respect Benil Darius's run. He has earned a title shot, but let's... But he and Dustin are not on the same plane of stature. You know, one is, a, one is an established star. The other hasn't yet. So, yeah, it's going to sound, quote-unquote, unfair, but it's is it really unfair? Who's Benil Darius? He's been in the UFC about, what, five, six years. He's now finally broken through as a top guy. Whose fault is that? You know, he had his chances. He had his fight against Edson Barbosa, got knocked out, had high profile bouts, and then kind of put up a stinker. And then, like you just said, he had a chance to call out Islam. But what did he do? Say some weird stuff. And we're just like, yeah, I'll take whatever the UFC gives me. Like, come on, dude. You step in it. And then you wonder why you're not getting chance. And then for him and Armin to try and play the uh, PR game saying, 
well, hey, if these guys just want to like fight, if the top five just wants to fight each other, as if they wouldn't do that themselves if they were in the top five. Listen, Charles, Justin, Gaethje, and Dustin Poirier have all worked to put themselves in position where they are no more than one or two wins from a title shot. Charles Oliveira, if he fights Vino Darius, does Charles Oliveira need to fight six, win, beat six more people to get a title shot? Absolutely not. If he smokes Darius, he gets his rematch. We all know this. Why are people acting dumb? Anyways, that'll be all for tonight. See you guys later. Yeah, and, you know, Oliveira has has said publicly that March or April seems like a good time frame for him. So there's your fight. There's your fight. Take the attention off of Dustin Poirier, who has, like I said, said I'm probably not fighting again until July after the school year. If Chucky Olives is ready March or April, you do everything in your power to get that fight. Because that's the one. Darius fights Charles Oliveira and beats him. He's getting a title shot. That win gets him over the hump for sure. Matush Gamrot, I love the guy. I have a ton of respect for him. I'm a big Matush Gamrot fan. The dude is so good. Great fighter. He's going to be a top 10 guy in this division for a long time. It's a good win. Respectable win. But most people don't really know who he is. Hardcores know exactly who he is. They just look at the numbers next to the name. Uh, Darius beat a guy ranked behind him who's only had a few UFC fights. That's what the casual fan sees. To me, I was like, that's a great win. He didn't have to take that fight, and he took it. But we all kind of put our eyes on what is he going to do after? If he wins, what's he going to say? And he said nothing that helped his case. So it's a game. You got to play the game. You got to play the game. The post-fight interview is super important. I see my, uh, my guys at Cage Titans in here. And Aaron Hughes had a little post-fight interview saying that he was – I'm not going to repeat it. You can go, go find it. It was pretty cool. Uh, Aaron Hughes kind of went viral with his post-fight interview. Everyone And people were talking about it. Morning Combat was talking about it. Other people were talking about it. Like, it's important. doesn't matter what your record is. doesn't matter who you beat. That post-fight interview can change things in a big way based on what you say. Whether it's fun or – you're trying to climb the ladder or trying to get a title fight, whatever it is. But you going out there and saying, now if you're like if you if you if this is your debut or your it's your second UFC fight, and you want to say, look, I'm new to the game, new to the UFC, I'm not in a position to call anybody out. Like if you have somebody ranked around where you're at, you can do that. But if you want to play the I'll fight whoever the UFC puts in front of me game. Cool. I'm all right with that. But when you get to like the top 10, you got to play the game. You got to play the game. The whole thing of, eh. If UFC wants you to fight whoever, I'll fight him. No. You see Drew Dober? Drew Dober got that big win. Very respectful guy. How could you not like Drew Dober? First team... All handsome. Big smile. 
happy-go-lucky guy, exciting fighter. Would love to fight Michael Chandler. Knows it probably won't happen. He's being realistic, so he had another name in mind. I'll fight Jalen Turner. Let's go. And what did Jalen Turner do? Immediately went on Twitter and said, book this Jason House. Let's go. You got to have names. You can't just say, I'll fight 10 more guys. Because the UFC's get and the fans are going to be like, all right, well, he's going to fight 10 more guys. He should be focusing all his attention on Charlie Oves. On Chucky Oves right now. Go get that fight. Go beat him. And then you can say whatever you want afterwards. Just don't say, I'll fight 10 more guys. Say, all right, I just beat the former champion. It's my time. Give me the damn title shot. And he'll probably get it. But if he fights Poirier, he ain't doing it till the summer. So what's the, what's the point? Oliveira's out there doing interviews saying, March or April, go get it. Go get that fight. Let's go to Shanuka. Shanuka, are you there? You're muted. Okay. Nothing from Shanuka. All right. So I think we're done. We've got a nice little hour free-for-all Friday stuff. Talked about a little bit of everything. And another week of the show is in the books. Back next week, Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. We'll recap UFC Vegas 67. We will be in the middle of UFC 283 fight week. Getting ready for those two title fights. The UFC's return to Brazil. We'll talk about that and much more. Uh, so I appreciate you all very much. We will be live at 3 p.m. Eastern on the MA Fighting Twitter. Or not Twitter. The MA Fighting YouTube channel for the... First UFC preview show of the year, myself, AK, the Prince of Positivity, and Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Mishu, will join us, and we will preview UFC Vegas 67 and take your, some of your questions as well. People's pre-fight show, back tomorrow, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, so you can join us for that on the YouTube channel. Jose Youngs will be in the building for that event, so we'll have post-fight stuff, interviews, press conferences, perhaps. Uh, and then AK and I will be back on Sunday for on to the next one. So back to the grind, everybody. So enjoy the rest of your Friday. We'll see you at 3 p.m. Eastern for the preview show. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. 
and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs>